Hi, everybody. Hi. Welcome to Spill the Chai. I'm Espa. I'm Aditi. And today we're just going to give you a little introductory about, or an introduction. Is introductory a word? It is a word. Okay. Well, I hope I used it correctly. We're going to give you an introductory lesson on what we hope to achieve (laughs) in this podcast. We're just going to go ahead and interview each other, actually. We're actually across, was like 5,000 kilometers? Something like that. Yeah. Something like that. 3,000 or like something in the thousands. Because I'm out in on the the West Coast, and you're out on the East Coast. I am, yes. So we're far apart, but having a cup of tea together. Yeah, it's like those uh, COVID sayings, alone together. I don't know if you've seen that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Such a weird thing. Like, we are alone together. <laughs> it's a weird and morbid saying. Have you ever seen About a Boy or read the book? I fucking love that movie okay. and I've watched it many times. Okay. Nick Ornby is one of my favorite authors. He's amazing. Really? Yeah. He's fantastic. All his books are related to like mental health and all that sort of stuff. Anyway, about a boy, what, the main character there, the protagonist basically goes to pick up single mothers at a place called Single Parents Alone Together. <laughs> <laughs> Single parents alone together. And they chant it. They chant it. They chant it. <laughs> so when you say alone together, I feel like we should chant it. <laughs> We're just not single parents. That's the future. That's in the future one day. Maybe. maybe yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that should we'll be like our new podcast. Openings. That should be like our opening chant, like alone together, alone together. Yay. Go. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we're hoping you're all feeling a little lonely too. I'm feeling a lot lonely. I'm a very lonely yeah. person. I say that often, I think, but you're an yeah. introvert though, aren't you? I, I think so. I think I'm an introvert. Yes, you're right. I absolutely am. But does that, does, is that necessarily connected to being lonely? Do you think? No, not at all, actually. Mm. Interesting. But it's not connected to being lonely, but it is connected to how much time you actually spend alone. Ah, okay. So then now I'm going to say, do you think being alone is connected to being lonely? I think it can be because you're more isolated. Yeah, there is some overlap there, but it's also possible for it to extremely not be connected, yeah. right? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I mean... As an extrovert, I've been lonely most of my life. So interesting. Yeah. Why yeah. do you say that? I don't see you as lonely. So it's interesting. Tell me. I think lonely is a feeling, it's not really something that can be perceived. Yeah. I don't know. Well, Aditi and I have known each other since we were 14. Yeah, pretty much. And so those were Grade weird. Nine times. English class. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I meeting you. <laughs> But yeah, those were those were specifically weird times. I mean, even before that, like I'm very social. I like to be social, but you can still feel lonely. You're absolutely right. I guess what I meant when I said that, not that I'm rethinking about it, is that when I see your energy, your energy feels like it's not lonely, which is really fucked up for me to say that because I don't think people would believe me when I say I'm lonely. So that really is just a strict misconception, I guess. See? 
Well, I think people generally try to hide their loneliness. It's almost like a shame as opposed to being open about it. Yeah, that's a big, I guess that's like 90% of it too. So like people don't often project loneliness. You know, so I went to school for therapy, right? Yeah, like Didi is a therapist. Yeah, like I'm so never going to say that. Ask us a question. <laughs> I will give you my unprofessional opinion. And she will give you her a professional opinion. I hate saying that I'm a therapist because I just feel like it just sounds super pretentious. Like, oh, I'm an expert on how people work. Like, it's not true. I think the more you learn about how people work, the more you know how much you don't understand about how people work, actually. Yeah. And well, okay, back to my point. What I was saying is that one of the things we learned in therapy school was that one of the worst things a human being can experience is shame. Shame, it's like a disease on your body and on your mind. And all of its all of the, the symptoms that it gives birth to are additional diseases. And it's so hard to work with someone who ha- experiences shame. Like it's such a deep rooted emotion and it does nothing but cause harm. Like it's like shame is like Lord Voldemort to me. Do you know what I mean? Like it's like that energy. He must not be named. He must not be named. It's so true. I didn't even think that part. Just that's, like the that's what the, shame is. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Like, and he's like the epitome of evil. That's like what I was thinking. But that part is also true. Like what you mentioned as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's uh, so toxic. Like I, I just want like people to know that like that feeling is all around unhealthy and bad for you and will not produce anything positive in your life i'm not saying that you should or shouldn't feel it but i'm just saying like be aware of that like that awareness helped me like you know what i mean because yeah i i think growing up like partially being indian but also partially just being my in my in the environment and context of the life i grew up in mm-hmm. shame was a normalized thing it yeah. was something that was expected it's, to feel it's definitely a cultural thing as well to feel shame of really ridiculous things sometimes that just absolutely do not make sense. But yeah, I agree. And I think that some people might be like, you know what, there's a lot of things that are just going to have negative effects. Like what's so different about shame? I think what's different is that most negative things also have something positive in your life, you know, actually like, but I think that shame is an exception like shame and like a couple of other things are like the exceptions where it's just bad. Like there's no good, nothing good comes out of it. But yeah, I think I I think so. That's my opinion. Yeah. I'm trying to think of specific circumstances where I find that like shame might be a good thing, but nothing is coming to mind. So maybe we'll come back to this because I'm going to have to give it a little bit more thought. I'm down for the conversation. And also, like, yeah. I also want to specify that shame can be good for correcting people's behavior. Like, I do agree with that part, too. But I don't think it's good for a person, like for a person who's experiencing it or feeling it. Like, I actually I, I yeah. think it's like a it's like having a disease in your body. That's really my metaphor for that. But yeah, okay. we'll come back to it whenever. Yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> tell us a little bit more about yourself. Like, what kind of music do you listen to? Oh, shit. Okay. I love hip hop. I've loved hip hop and rap music my whole life, I think. Because, okay, I've had so many people 
tell me like, oh, you must like hip hop because you dated so-and-so or because you're around so-and-so. And I'm like, listen, when I was 13 years old, I was at a G unit and Jay-Z concert. Okay. It's not a, it's not a, <laughs> smelled so much weed for the first time in my life at that that show it was crazy jay-z did like a rap version of we will rock you by queen it was such a it's such a vivid memory for me but um really cool yeah i've liked hip-hop and rap my whole life so just canceling that misconception i like all music though i think that music is art and art's supposed to make you feel and so if music makes you feel something then that's what matters and it's so relative like you know because feelings are so individual based mm-hmm. do you like yeah. country hell no <laughs> had to ask yeah I, I i hear i hear that a lot from people like they're like oh i like everything but country do you hear that a lot i say that a lot oh sick. especially like after country. living in regina i i say that a lot yeah yeah that's the vibe right yeah country they say country music i, I actually think that country music as a whole is beautiful like yeah not maybe not the pop versions of it but it's a very like nice music but i can't enjoy it is all i find that the country music that i've heard is mostly about like getting drunk and their pickup trucks and blonde girl in short shorts or like hating (laughs) their girlfriends and it's all stuff that i can't relate to that's true my man's really likes country but like a specific kind of country not the kind of country that I'm talking about. Like old country he likes. Yeah. Yeah. That that must be the good shit. Yeah. So I don't know. I can't comment, but I'm not a I don't like country much. <laughs> no, I just don't vibe to it. Like I just what I like about hip hop and rap is that it makes me feel very confident. Even when I feel like shit, I could listen to a good hip hop song and I just feel like I'm I am the shit. And um country doesn't do that for me. I agree. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What are you hoping to get from this podcast? That's funny because I I wrote that down as a question as well. Yeah. That's funny because I I, I thought of it as a question, but I definitely didn't think of having to answer it. So I didn't plan for that part. (laughs) Same. So I'm trying to think of my answer as you talk. (laughs) I'm like, oh shit, I'm going to ask now. No, but you don't know if I'm actually going to ask that. That's true. Uh, what I'm hoping to get out of this podcast is, well, there's a bunch of different things. Like I'm hoping to change a part of myself. Like I'm just somebody, you know, like I have no pictures of myself, like literally of my whole life. Everybody out there has like a collection on Facebook or whatever. I got nothing. Like there must be some out there sporadically, but I have nothing. I just would never take pictures of myself. I would never record moments, you know, and it feels like life is just flying by. And I'm like, looking back and I'm like, who was I in 05? And who was I in 07? I don't remember. One of the things I love about talking to you guys, like you and crew, Esba, is that um, you guys will say things like, like, oh, indeed, you remember when you did this? And I was like, well, I did that. It happens constantly. I had, I'm like, no, no, I did that. Like me? Are you, are you, are you really? And I'm always like, damn, like, who is that person? So I have photos uh, of you from you, you seven, do. if you're wondering. Yeah. You do. Holy crap. Yeah. It's going to trip me out. <laughs> <laughs> They're not just of you, though. So No, I don't want. That's not, obviously not what I want. I want pictures of and, experiences. Uh, like, you know. But I have pictures from. So it was your birthday. And I think it was your 18th or 17th. Not too sure on that. And I I asked you to come over. 
Aditi spent a lot of time at my house. Um, I did. And vice versa, actually. I remember puking um, at your house, in fact. <laughs> which is something that's very rare. I don't puke anywhere. My dad remembers that, too. <laughs> I, I bet I bet it's a traumatic memory for everybody. There's like, a reason day, I don't puke anywhere. My still mentions it. He's like, <laughs> you the one who got sick at our house. <laughs> that one my dad sounds like a dinosaur giving birth from their mouth <laughs> <laughs> my dad doesn't actually like know a lot of my friends he just knows them by like specific i guess traits so mm. he'll just like he'll be like <laughs> that's your specific trait unfortunately puking your puking trait that's awesome i like that trait actually it's, it's a surprisingly <laughs> accurate trait so you know it's refreshing <laughs> <laughs> no i didn't expect anyone I'm to forget sorry. that don't worry like yeah it'll be embedded in all our minds forever <laughs> you've been with me a surprising number of times when i've been puking that's yeah it's very intimate yeah it mm-hmm. brought us closer together um sure anyway did. so yeah. it was your birthday so i'd asked you to come over because you weren't doing anything and you didn't want to make it a big deal and then a friend we used to have your best, your your ex best friend. Not going to use any names here. Yeah, that's good. Her and her sister came over with a cake and surprised you. And so they came to my house, and we all just like sat down and ate this cake. And I have pictures from that if you want. Wow, yeah. I completely forgot that happened. But you mentioning it, like I actually vividly remember it now. Like I vividly remember that happening, and that's crazy. Holy crap. Yeah. That really happened. That was so cute. So, you guys were always the best at doing shit like that. You know what I mean? It's awesome. Yeah. So Didi's here to get her memories back. <laughs> it's like minority report or something like my version, podcast version. <laughs> <laughs> what else are you uh hoping to get? I'm hoping to like connect more, I think. It's like a I think a podcast which is kind of like speaking to anybody out there. It doesn't matter who, whoever's listening. And I say that because I'm sometimes that person, like listening, listening to random people's podcasts. Like, you know, the feeling of connecting to somebody, that's why I listen. And yeah. I don't, I'm, like I mentioned, I'm a very lonely person. And mm-hmm. it's kind of like, this is a way that I'm comfortable reaching out to connect with somebody. I'm kind of not that comfortable in real life doing it, you know? Yeah. It's, it's not like here I'm like, you know, in my like little cozy walk-in closet. It's so easy to be comfortable. So I'm yeah. going to describe Aditi for you all right now. Uh, <laughs> she's in her closet. It's completely dark. And she okay. has fairy lights around her. She's just like covered the, in them. Like, I mean, she's like wrapped them around her neck. Yes. And they're just all over her. So that is... That is what she's doing right now. <laughs> just, just for those of you listening, <laughs> we definitely, I definitely did refer to this as a fairy light noose. So um, yes. that might be offensive, yes, but that was my joke earlier. So I'm just gonna kill myself with fairy lights. <laughs> I find it funny. So this podcast yeah. is a cry for help. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so symbolic. Holy crap! I just realized that. Like I'm like I'm lonely, and I've got this fairy light noose around me. Just been like, please, people help me (laughs) we have a really weird sense of humor yes Um, definitely sorry all you gotta be a little bit dark 
<laughs> just slightly. You know, I will say that as a therapist, like suicide is a part of my like daily life. You know what I mean? I think that people out there, like that's not a part of their daily life. For me, it is. Like it's, I talk to about it with somebody on a daily basis and I have people around me that, you know, are actively suicidal and things like that. So yeah, it, it, I think, I think that humor helps, you know, it's for sure kind of just a release of energy sometimes and tension, a release yeah. of tension. Yeah. Well, I mean, most comedians face some sort of mental illness. So, and they're funny. I, I swear to God, it's true. Like the best comedians all had the most fucked up lives. Like, yeah, exactly. The, the most classic example, like who do they say is the greatest comedian of all time? Like the people usually say Richard Pryor and Richard Pryor's life was more fucked up than anybody's. So I, yeah, I think that comedy is a way of dealing with trauma or just hardship. It's a, a one way. There's different ways of dealing with things. And there, that's one way of dealing with things. Yeah. 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 Anyways, if you could kill one person dead or alive, who would it be and why? Mm, if I could kill someone. <clears throat> I honestly, no repercussions. No repercussions. Yeah, dead or alive. Okay, my my true like theoretical answer is no one because I genuinely have these beliefs and stuff like that. But honestly, if I just had to do it, I would say like some maybe like some sort of like super pedophile, like whoever the worst pedophile in the world is. One. Yeah, that person because that's just my ego side talking. Like I my my non ego side really doesn't really believes in like you know higher taking power and stuff like that yeah Yeah. and so yeah when you with with belief in a higher power like it's kind of like i don't know just changes how i feel about things but without that i would say the biggest pedophile but yeah i go on i completely agree i love asking that question um because what was your answer i'm with you on that like i would i normally pick like a common serial killer or like rapist or like Hitler. Um, but I like asking that question because about 80% of the time, people pick someone they know. Mm. And it terrifies <laughs> me. That's why the purge is coming. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's just interesting because you get to see a different side of someone. But L- listen, I did consider somebody I know. I did consider it. You know what I mean? But then I, my higher power self kicked in. I was like, you know, you don't need to um, put um, put that on anybody because, like, justice will serve itself. Yeah, exactly. You know, karma will all. Again, and, just, and this is all belief yeah. in a higher power. I agree exactly. with what you said before. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I was going to say something. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, let me just uh, amend my answer because from having done research on this topic, there's in the community there's a big distinction between a pedophile and a child molester and there's this i'm gonna say theory because i don't know how to how to say uh, the right term for i'm gonna say theory that yeah that most or a lot of pedophiles don't actually act on their feelings and they go out of their way to you know live a life that doesn't involve ever harming a child and like some pedophiles aren't are not along those lines and they are child molesters but yeah. additionally there are also child molesters that aren't pe- that, that weren't born pedophiles but have had trauma in their life that have 
um, led them into this uh, type of actions. So like really like my answer is for child molesters, like not for pedophiles, because I know that ped in the pedophile community, and that's crazy to say, but yeah, in the pedophile community, it really hurts those who have actively, you know, made the, the decision in their life to never harm a child ever. It hurts mm -hmm. them to have all this hatred towards them. Yeah. And yeah, so just going to amend that. So you said something interesting. You said not born a pedophile. Mm -hmm. So people are actually born that way. Yes. Okay. I think so. I watch a lot of, I'm not a therapist, as I said before, but um, I do go to therapy and I watch a lot of law and order special victims <laughs> unit. So I'm basically <laughs> an expert. You're more than an expert. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Not only do I have a therapist, but I also watch a lot of Law and Order. So my opinion of pedophiles, like I've always kind of been on the f fence about whether they're born that way or not, just because it's just such an insane concept to me that someone is born with those feelings, if that makes sense. But after watching a lot of Law and Order Special Victims Unit, like they generally allude to that as well. So... I don't know. I mean, I'm not an expert, but I'm kind of close. So, listen, you it's can interesting come that you said that. That's all you can. I you can come to you can come to this theory that I put forward. You can come to that theory from a bunch of different approaches. I think, like, I think I can arrive at that theory from different approaches. Like, one thing I think about is like even like regular old hetero straight people. Some of them are having some fucking crazy type of sex, like. Like stuff that I can't even imagine some people are doing like just painful and weird and people's sexualities is such a, it's like a universe of, of ideas and, and expressions and, and desires and like, holy shit, man, a lot of people's sexualities, like I, I would just, I would vomit even having to look at what they're doing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's so like, how can you do this? Like, so when I think about the fact that there's such a, a range of sexual behaviors already happening, but only because it's one, okay, one thing I learned is like, there's like, they're called philias, right? These like, um, um, I'm going to use the word, like, I'm going to use some offensive words. It's my pod. It's a podcast. So I'm just going to talk freely. Like, I'm obviously going to be more politically correct in real life, I think. But these, like, really crazy sexual behaviors, there's so many of them. And, um, okay, so the ones that are, okay, this is what they say, is that uh, philias are the crazy sexual behaviors. And then paraphilias are the harmful, crazy sexual behaviors. So you can have a philia, but it just so happens that your philia is not hurting anybody. But then it happens for some people where their philia involves hurting other people. And that includes themselves. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like there's philias yeah. where it includes severe self-harm. Like mm -hmm. there's, there's a whole topic about whether necrophilia is considered a, a philia or a paraphilia. Because to some people, it's like you're harming a dead body and like the family will get upset about it and things like that like but it's a serious thing people with necrophilia like it's a big community um, yeah but then there's people who are you know who sexually attracted to balloons and there's like a literal community of them and like they're not hurting anybody so nobody cares about what they're doing but it's, it's strange right so yeah when I actually take into account the full scope, like, man, if you want to do an internet deep dive, the shit that you'll find in terms of people's sexuality, like, you'll be traumatized in ways and you'll, it has something to do with children, but you'll still be fucking traumatized. And that's when I'm like, yeah, pedophiles is part of that larger 
spectrum. But yeah, sorry. That's interesting. My tangent. But we should do an episode on that. Yeah, yeah. There's more. There's more different things that I could say that make us even come to that conclusion. Like, it's a big, it's a big topic. It's a huge topic. We'll do it one day for sure. Yeah. Tell us how you got to BC, which is where you're now living. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Honestly, when I was a kid, I used to feel really depressed. Like, I wanted to say, like, I have, I've had a really good life, but I've always had issues with depression my whole life. There's also like bad shit that's happened that's definitely aggravated it. But I think I've also sought out situations that made my depression worse. So like there's, there's a lot of factors, but it's like you I, created created reasons of why you were sad, even though there wasn't always necessarily one. I so, would manifest them. Exactly. Kind of yeah, thing. Okay. Yes, yeah. absolutely. I, I looking back, I realize that now. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just want to emphasize that I did have a very good privileged life. So when I talk about this stuff, that that's the underlying factor of it. But I was I w- there was times when I was younger, I'd be like, before I ever kill myself, I'll go, I'll run away to Vancouver because my, my head in my head, I was like, you know what, if, if life gets so bad that you don't want to be alive, um, re try or try somewhere else before you decide to off yourself, just try somewhere else. Who knows? Maybe somewhere else that'll be good. Like maybe you like it somewhere else, you know? So that was my solution. And at the time that I left for Vancouver, I was so, I wasn't suicidal, but I was very depressed. I just remember being unbelievably depressed. Like I really hated my life and I had to do something and I didn't know what to do. It was, that was the thing. I just didn't know what to do. I was like, what the fuck do I do? So sometimes when you don't know, don't have any choices, you just choose a crazy choice. If you're like, fuck it, why not this? Right. And that was Vancouver. Um, It was uh, like, I was an opportunity for me to go to school, like continue my schooling. My mom, my mom has always been my biggest support. My mom saw that I was really depressed and she wanted to help me. So she let me tell her, which is I'm really grateful for. She let me tell her how to help me. And she did that for me, you know? That's lovely. Yeah. Um, I, oh, yeah, for sure. I would never have come out. Everything I do is because my mom allows me to do it, like up until now, at least. Now I'm starting to do things. But yeah, then it was like she helped me do it all. But yeah, like it's interesting because like later on, like a few years later, when I talked to my mom, my mom was like, oh, you were so brave to move to Vancouver. I'm like, what are you talking about? You did everything for me. And she's like, no, I can't imagine moving somewhere alone where I don't know anybody and going there just on a plane one day and just living there. She's like, that's such a, a brave thing to do. And I was like, I, I could, that in that moment, I realized that for some people, that is brave. Like to me, it wasn't. But for some people... It's a, a act of bravery. So yeah, so yeah, that's why I moved to Vancouver because I was super depressed and I, I didn't know what else to do. I hated my job. I hated my life. Hated my relationship. Everybody around me was progressing and nothing was happening for me. I was just stuck. Are you happy now? Um, no, <laughs> I'm not happy. I would say no, but I'm I'm better. I'm doing better. Like if I was to like list all the ways people would be like, oh yeah, it sounds like you're doing great, but I'm not happy. No. So I think that maybe I'm just miserable and no matter where I go, I'll be miserable. <laughs> so as a therapist, are you yourself seeing a therapist? No, I, I have not. I should, I plan to. Okay. I plan to, I plan to. It's my, once I, like I'm about to transition into a new job where I get paid a lot more money. Um, yeah, I'm going, I'm going to as soon as I, I've, I've been thinking about it for a while. And like one of the rules of becoming a therapist is that you shouldn't, unless you've done therapy of your own, otherwise you bring all your personal into issues into your shit. And yeah, yeah so it is my plan. 
Okay. Keep me ac- keep me accountable, guys. Yeah, <laughs> let's do it. Go, Everyone go collectively. Go fund my therapy sessions. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Ontario is uh, thinking of uh, making therapy free for individuals who are clinically depressed. Wow. Yeah. That's. I mean, yeah. I'm I'm very just happy to hear. Like, I d- I don't know. In the last few years, I've just seen a lot of funding come into mental health and. It's pretty amazing, honestly. Yeah, yeah, it really is. One good thing in a lot of shittiness. Is there something specific you want the listeners to know before we switch over? I already said I was unhappy, so I think that the listeners know everything they need to know about me. No. Your depression does not define you. Thank you. Oh, look, see, that CSI did work, okay? Not CSI, law and order, (laughs) and my own therapist. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I know what I'm talking about, you guys. See how well I listen. <laughs> glad she's not my therapist. She'd be like, glad who are you, you again? <laughs> and you'd be like, yes, you're right. Who am I? This is the question I've been trying to ask for so long. This is how you're therapy right. works. You're right. I would be like that. <laughs> <laughs> you just get me, Aditi. I don't know how, but you just do. Yeah. So, is there anything else you want the listeners to know? Um, uh, I'm I I definitely use drugs. I'll say that for the listeners. Like, it's funny because I'm doing drugs right now. Like, she I'm is. smoking. It's true, weed. she's really doing it. <laughs> and no, listen. Not, not only am I smoking weed, I'm drinking coffee. And for people that are going to listen to me talk, you're going to hear me talk about substances in a broad way. Anything that alters your mind to me is a substance, and caffeine is a substance. I mean, there's a reason why people combine cigarettes and coffee. Like, you're, it's like the combination of substances is another whole thing. The way oh, I don't smoke anymore combined, either. Yeah, you don't. I, um, how long has it been since you've quit? March. Uh, really? Yeah. I didn't know you were smoking as of March. Um, had you quit before that or were you smoking? Yeah, since? I've been on and off for a long time. Sorry, you were saying I completely cut you off. But yes, a substance. Finish your train of thought. I'm sorry. Um. No, no, I was just uh, saying that, like, yeah, I'm uh, I'm eventually going to talk about drugs in a different way. That's all. Okay. No, it was, there was really not much to be added. You okay. Good. Sorry. Smooth and perfect transition. You all right. I mean. Stop. <laughs> I'm an expert, not a queen. <laughs> See how well I listen? <laughs> I mean, they're not mutually exclusive, though. So I guess they really I are not. They're more of a Venn diagram. Could be. Could I'm also going to talk about Venn diagrams a lot, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why not? Think about how great Venn diagrams are. Think about the visual of it. But do you feel that they depict everything that needs to be seen on a graph? Oh, absolutely not. Not everything. What can depict everything, though, realistically? I'd say bar graphs are pretty bar good. graphs? Yeah. They're like bar graphs. You like just have a straight... I'm like, I'm like, but what could depict everything? You're like bar graphs. They <laughs> depict everything. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I like your approach. It's good. Guys, I'm not an expert, but... <laughs> I you do just work in criminal investment. minds, right? On order, <laughs> Didi. Are you ever going to get it right? <laughs> hey, my fairy lights speak for themselves. 
Yeah, that they do. That they do. Okay, so are you ready to switch over to you? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, I don't have a lot to say. Girl, please. Girl, please. Who doesn't have a lot to say, really? We all have a lot to say. Okay, you're right. Well, let's start with why do you want to start a podcast? I've done a podcast before. I did a true crime podcast for a little bit. Mm -hmm. I loved it a lot. I listened to a lot of podcasts, like you were saying. And I think they're a great way to connect with others and also give me attention. (laughs) Hmm. Because people have to hear me if they're listening. So (laughs) there there you go. I'm just imagining you like standing there with a creepy smile, watching people hear your voice. And you're like, yes, yes. If you listen to this podcast, I will come outside your window and watch you listen. You know, you're going to get so many people saying that you have like a phone sex operator voice. And so they're not going to mind. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. I I beat you guys to it. It's okay. It's okay. I don't have to put it in the comments. It's so much. It's so annoying. Well, it's your fault. I know. Yeah, stop being a sex kitten on the phone or on the mic. I can't. I like to make love to the microphone. (laughs) You really do. So it's no coincidence that your microphone is white. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) That was funny. My man's always goes on about how much I like black guys, which I do. I mean, who doesn't? Yeah, he just always talks about that. And I find it so funny because that's just not what I'm known for. No, you're really not. Your white (laughs) microphone. (laughs) So that's why you got a white microphone to prove him wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So basically, I like attention and I also like connecting with people. I'm an extrovert. So that's why I want to do a podcast. That's all, that's all amazing. Like the fact that I'm an introvert and I want to connect with people. So I'm doing a podcast and you're an extrovert and you want to connect with people. So you're doing a podcast. I wonder what that's going to lead to. That's interesting. I mean, I think it's a good balance. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Let's go on to the next question. You ready for it? Yep. Okay. I actually, I did want to start with this. I wanted to say, if you were writing your book of your life, like, where would you begin? Like, not everyone begins like, oh, I was born at 953. Like, some people are like, you know, they they kind of like start their own life story at a certain point. Like, maybe it's like a memorable point, or maybe it's just something else. Like, where do you think your life story begins? That's if you understand. Yeah. Uh, I think... I would start it at my eighth birthday party. Hmm. Some details about this eighth birthday party and it why? It was a surprise. Oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah. It was, a, but it was one of my favorite birthdays. Oh. Well yeah. done. It's uh, for context, those of you listening. I feel like Aditi and I aren't talking just because we've known each other so well. And like so much about each other's lives that I don't know if we're giving enough context (laughs) for the listeners, but basically I hate surprises, like specifically surprise birthday parties, but I had this eighth birthday party and 
it was just fantastic. All the street kids were there. Like I used to hang out with a bunch of kids who lived on my street. And they all came. We played games. My mom ate pizza. There was cake. And I think I would start it there because I think after that is when it all started to go downhill. Your whole life? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So it was a a buildup all the way till eight. Well, I mean, as far as I can remember, like there was nothing like I think it was all right. Interesting. So did some like fucked up shit happen? Well, in the year after when I was nine, we moved to England and yeah, it's just life started happening. Hmm. That makes sense. That makes sense. I mean, I feel like it makes a lot of sense, especially because I, I can relate to that feeling, but um, because I also moved at that around that age and had my whole world shaken up and had all this like crazy new shit happening. But yeah, um, yeah. so I'm just saying it makes sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's just um, use that to transition because my next question, it's ironic that you say that because I literally my next question written down here is what is your best and worst birthday memory? Oh my God. Okay. My best birthday memory, it's weird because it's the same birthday. So when that is I turned, weird. Yeah, when I turned twenty three, there was a brief period where I lived in Regina in Canada. Uh, it's in the province of Saskatchewan. For anyone listening who has no idea where that is, nobody does. So don't feel bad. <laughs> I moved there for a while. Actually, I have a lot of really bad birthdays, but there's two that stand out, and I'm going to talk about this one because the other one is very dark, and I don't want to get into it. The eighteenth one. Mm-hmm. I was going to agree. Agree that you you are known for having bad birthdays. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's a there's actually a really there's a, there's a backstory to the eighteenth one, which I'm not sure I told you. So the twenty third, my twenty third birthday, I went out with my roommates and we just went to eat. We were coming home and my roommate asked me to drive her car through the car wash because last time she tried, she couldn't get the tire in the train. You know, those automatic car washes where you put your car into neutral and it goes on the skidding system and through the car wash. Mm-hmm. So she had trouble getting it on like the train. So she sort of just drove through the, <laughs> through the car wash. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, okay, fine. We've, we, we had dinner and we're coming back. It's like midnight. So it just turned my birthday. We're at the gas station. Everyone says happy birthday. And... I take the car through the car wash and I smashed it into a pole. And it was a brand new car, a brand new 2013 Toyota Camry. And I smashed it into a pole and I freaked out and I left the scene. Damn. Yeah. And my roommate, whose car I crashed, reported me even though we live in the same house and I told her I was going to pay for it. She reported me. I had to go like when I got back, obviously I had to do a, had, I tried to fight it through the court. So I went to court. They sent me to like a driving program that I had to do for two days. And then I had to pay like this like huge fee. And then I had to pay my roommate for the repairs as well. And so that night was pretty awful. But then the very next morning I flew to Toronto 
And I think that my roommate whose car I crashed was worried that I wouldn't come back, which is probably why she reported me. So I flew here and I had this birthday at this Moroccan restaurant where there was belly dancers and we just ate Moroccan food and it was fun. But the best part was when we left the restaurant, there was a fountain across the street and someone had filled it with soap. So there was bubbles coming out of the fountain. So we all went and we played in it. And that that was my favorite birthdays. Wow. That's super cute. I mean... Damn, that's a lot of really tough shit to go through. Yeah. Yeah. So it was simultaneously like my best and worst birthday. Wow. Okay. that's That was intense. I do have a birthday that was worse than that. But again, like I'm not going to talk about it now because it'll just uh, branch out into a lot of other things that yeah. I don't know if I want to <clears throat> get into. Totally. Yeah. And that's something that we talked about before, like off the podcast was like certain things that needs to a lot of time and space to be discussed like to set that aside and do it when there's like a proper way to contain it and stuff like that yeah right exactly Mm -hmm. yeah okay we're gonna move on to the next question then okay what is something that people get wrong about you Hmm, that's an interesting one i think what people get wrong about me is that they think i'm confident you definitely come off as confident yeah i think it's a common misconception. Yeah, I would say that's the most common one. What about you? Actually, that's a good question. I'd like to know that about you. What do you think? What do you find that is for you? People assume that I have higher self-esteem than I do. So I confidence was, as well? I, I don't know if it's confidence. Like some someone will be like, oh, like you must, someone will imply to me that I must know that I'm smart or something like that. And I'm like, I don't fucking think of myself that way at all. And they're like, what do you mean you don't think of yourself that way? Obviously, you are. But maybe it's not self-esteem. It's just, um, it's very specific things. It's not everything. It's like very okay. specific things, I'd say. Okay. You don't think you're smart? No. You're literally Absolutely not. the smartest people. This is no. what I mean. This is what yeah. I mean. I don't even believe in the term smart. Everybody has 24 hours of the day. And if somebody's out like learning how to farm and I'm sitting here learning how to, you know, whatever, like Newton's laws of physics. um, Okay. So I'm smart because I'm good at this particular textbook, but he's really good at farming. Like where we all have, no matter what you're doing, building it. I I agree. But also like there are different levels of how quickly someone can pick up on things. And I think you pick up on things very quickly, regardless of the topic. But don't you also think that that's so contextual? Like there's like a smart, a smart can only be defined in terms of comparison. Like if I'm in a room, if if I'm in a room of people who are whatever, less smart than me, then I'm smart. I'm smart as fuck. But say I'm put in a room of people who are all smarter than me. So what now I'm stupid. It's like, I don't like the idea of a label about my innate personality being used when it's just a comparison basis and it's not really a descriptor of me because I feel like labels hurt us. You know what I mean? A lot of times. And I've had to like spend a lot of time in my life having to undo a lot of labels that were put on me and trying to be like, why was this label put on me and why is it not true? And et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, sorry. Okay. Not to go on to a side rant. Let's refocus. That question tripped me out. So it's a tribute oh. question. Yeah. Yeah. You asked it. 
I know. Fun to answer. I thought you would have, but the thing is, I thought I came up with questions I thought suited you as a person. Yeah, but I got curious because that's a very good question. It, it's a trippy fucking question. I know. It scares it's me. It's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's interesting. What else? Is that it? Uh, no, wait, there's more. That's <laughs> Obviously, that's not it. Tell me about a book you wrote. A book I wrote? Oh, my gosh. Okay. Any book, because I know you've done multiple. Okay. Again, uh, context for the listeners. I dabble in writing. I'd like to write a book one day. So I've written many that I've never finished. So actually, the most recent one I tried writing. I'm trying to write a self-help book. As an expert, I'm actually doing that right now, right? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Uh, It's called How to Be a Boss Babe and Other Lies I Tell Myself. Cute. Love it. And I have a sentence, which I will read for you. This is what I mean. Like, I dabble a lot. Some have been like 100 pages. Some have been a paragraph. And right now I have a sentence of one. So this is How to Be a Boss And otherwise, I tell myself. (laughs) Chapter one, this is not about you. This is not about you. You might be thinking, then why would I ever buy this book? Well, you're a pompous piece of shit now, aren't you? (laughs) That's all I have. (laughs) That was a great intro. <laughs> I am. You have me hooked. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So that's my most recent attempt. It's supposed to be, I guess, I don't know what exactly what I'm trying to accomplish with it, but uh, I have a friend and her sister suggested I write a self help book. And I'm like, I have absolutely no advice to give because I don't <laughs> know what I'm doing. But I'm like, wouldn't it be funny if I wrote like a, like a satire? Yeah. (laughs) So that's what I'm trying to do right now. That's awesome. Yeah. There aren't enough satires of self-help books. It's true. There's like satires of everything. I'm with it. I support it. Applause. Can't see I'm applauding. Good job, Esba. There's more questions. Wait. We're not done. You had so many more questions than I did because you wrote (sighs) them down. I thought of them and then I forgot most of them. So I just asked the ones I remembered. I came up with things when I was high and I was like, I know I will never remember this when I wake up and I'm hungover. <laughs> do you get a hangover from being high? I do. Yeah. You just feel like you're fucking like, a, you, you feel like a, a ton of bricks. I feel like a ton of bricks. That's something that we learned in therapy too, by the way, is that when, when I, when we talk, we say you instead of I, because it's like, we're kind of like not wanting to take responsibility of this uncomfortable feeling. So it's like, you know, I'll, I'll, like for example, I'll be talking. I'm like, you know, when you're like really tired and you know you want to take a pill. Like, I'll me talking that way is a, an attempt to like depersonalize something because it's it's kind of uncomfortable to have to take responsibility over that feeling. That's okay, that yeah. I went to therapy school, but what was I talking about? I forgot. Oh, I was talking about how um yeah, I feel like a ton of bricks and like it's just okay. heavy and dead, and you just want to like get high again. Okay. Okay, next question. You ready? Always. 
Can you give me either a quote or like a saying or even like an idea that you like really love or really like? Okay, live, laugh, I, love? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually the complete opposite. And it's only bringing it up because I was actually talking to my therapist about it last session. And it's a quote from the book The Bell Jar by Sylvia Plath. Very nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very not live laugh love. <laughs> That's true. That's to be uh, for those of you who don't know who Sylvia Plath is, she's a very famous poet and you should Google her. She wrote a book called The Bell Jar and this quote is from that. It's kind of long. Sorry, everyone. But no, uh, go for it. Goes. I saw my life branching out before me like a green fig tree in the story. From the tip of every branch, like a fat purple fig, a wonderful future beckoned and winked. One fig was a husband and a happy home and children. And another fig was a famous poet. And another fig was a brilliant professor. And another fig was E.G., the amazing editor. And another fig was Europe and Africa and South America. And another fig was Constantine and Socrates and a pack of other lovers with queer names and offbeat professions. And another fig was an Olympic lady crew champion. And beyond and above these figs were many more figs and I couldn't quite make them out. I saw myself sitting in the crotch of the fig tree, starving to death, just because I couldn't make up my mind which of the figs I would choose. I wanted each and every one of them, but choosing one meant losing all the rest. And as I sat there, unable to decide, the figs began to wrinkle and go black, and one by one, they plopped to the ground at my feet. Wow. That was a very beautiful visual. Um, She's <clears throat> a great writer. Yeah, that was very sad. Um, so it's like supposed to be talking about being paralyzed by fear when having to make a choice yeah and not able to choose and therefore losing everything yeah or it's kind of like not not being able to make the sacrifice of losing some choices in order to make your choice maybe what do you think oh, what does it mean to you it means many things to me one being that there's just so many options and it's just like you said you get paralyzed by the fear of it and like the line that really stands out is where is the very end when she's talking about sitting in the crotch of the tree, she's starving mm -hmm. and just watching them all fall apart. It's just, it's exactly what you said. It's just like being paralyzed by making a choice. And as a result, you just lose everything. Wow. Yeah. It's very deep. Live, laugh, love. <laughs> That's what you really meant to say. Okay, cool. That's what it means to me. <laughs> That's much better. Thanks. <laughs> you ready to keep going? I have more questions. Oh my God. How many more questions do you have? I feel 18, so bad. 18,000. You can't ask me all 18,000. Oh, we just okay, don't have fine. the time. <laughs> fine. I'll ask you a couple more. How about that? Okay. We can go to like an hour and a half. Okay. Yeah. All right. I like it when podcasts are a little bit longer because sometimes yeah. I have I have no life or you know or this train ride's gonna go on for a lot longer. So sometimes I zone out too. So if you've zoned out, that's okay too. 
I've zoned out a couple of times where I'm like, huh, what's happening? <laughs> you come back in and you're like, what did they just say? <laughs> it's especially weird because I listen to a lot of true crime. When you zone out of a true crime podcast, like you can go from like one case to five instantly in one episode. So it'll start off start off with like one murder and then there'll be like five more and you're like, wait, how did we get here and who are these people? <laughs> You'd make a great detective. Like, I mean, I say that quite often. I'm no expert, really but I do watch a lot of true crime <laughs> and listen to it too. So I like to think that I basically am a detective. Good segue into the next question. What's a, um, a really like juicy true crime that you've read of or heard of recently that you can like summarize, give us the dirt? Oh, man. Okay. Well, I mean, I I don't know. I can't think of like anything obscure recently that I've listened to. I listened to a recent case. My favorite podcast is Case Files. If you guys are into true crime, I highly recommend it. The host is anonymous. He's from Australia. He is the best storyteller. I listened to the Natalie Holloway episode recently. And I also watched the Epstein. See, these stuff can't be like summarized because everyone already knows them. Mm. Jeffrey Epstein if you don't know like what are you doing with your life and then Nally Holloway well so can I interrupt you for a second yeah yeah yeah. did you hear about how in the lobby of Epstein's house there's a giant painting of Bill Clinton wearing Hillary Clinton's dress and heels sitting on a couch like lounging this is real a giant painting absolutely real right where did you hear this there's multiple articles about it that's really fucked up Joe Rogan said that he thinks that it's a symbol of how Epstein's like, Bill Clinton, you're my bitch. Because Bill Clinton flew like 20, 25 times on the Lolita plane. So it's like... He has dirt on him. Exactly. That's what Joe Rogan thinks. But I don't know. I was just wondering if you had I heard about that. I had not heard about that, but that's very interesting. That was not in the documentary. And I would... Honestly, I think there's so many people involved. So many people. Damn near everybody, probably. Probably anyone, everyone you know of who is in corporate America or politics in America is probably in on that. There was like a a thing about how Margaret Thatcher was involved in like a large scale pedophilia ring. Margaret Thatcher is like the was like a British. I know the prime minister. No, no. she was she was the she was a British prime minister. Yeah, there's a Meryl Streep movie about her. Yeah, and she was not the nicest lady. Do you think yeah. that she's involved in it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. She for sure, I think. Like a lot of people, especially in Hollywood, they say like 80, 90% of the top execs and stuff are all pedophiles. I know Brian Singer, he's a pedophile. He's like, he directed like X-Men and all those movies. There's just a lot of them. And like, that's why a lot of these child actors are fucked up because yeah. they were exposed to, because parents would just leave their kids with these people because parents were like greedy for the money and the exposure and stuff. And then yeah. they would take advantage of it, right? So we have a whole episode on pedophilia, I'm telling you. Like, yeah. That's going to be a real hour and a half long episode of just pedophilia because there is so much you can talk about with that. Yeah, it goes on forever. It's true. I agree. That that's, I'm not, not to like pick any celebrities out, but there are a lot of really fucked up ones mm-hmm. who are child stars that don't even want to talk about i'm thinking of one in particular they don't want to talk about what they went through okay i'm thinking of macaulay culkin i'm just gonna say it (laughs) i can't even imagine what he went through like he just has 
he, it looks like it literally shows on his face, the trauma mm. and everything. You know, he said that Michael Jackson didn't do anything, but that doesn't mean that nobody else did. I agree. That, uh, I think Macaulay for sure. They won't admit it, though, but for sure. Like, he, I, he, I don't think he would ever talk about it ever. Yeah, but. a lot of them won't admit it, like the child actors and stuff. I think it happened to Leonardo DiCaprio, too, which is probably why he only dates children. Mm, that's true. Well, I mean, they're technically legal, but come on, they're children. Nally Holloway, Jeff Epstein. Do you know okay, about well, Nally Holloway? I interrupted you when you were talking about that. So continue on that part. I didn't. I don't know about Natalie Holloway, who is okay, she? So basically, she was an 18-year-old girl who went missing. She went on big. She went on a graduation trip to the Caribbean, I think Aruba, and... It was a graduation trip to Aruba. She just turned 18. Basically, she met a guy there on one of the nights on her last night out. And she was seen leaving with him in a car. And she was never seen again. They She had a flight the next morning and she didn't make it. The rest of the class had to leave. They had to report it to the authorities that she wasn't there and nowhere to be found. Her parents flew out and essentially have been looking for her since wow. like all her classmates saw her leave in this car there was so much media coverage around it there's i think there's even like a documentary about natalie holloway basically they're fairly certain that the guy that she had met who was i think from he was dutch or something she was american and he was dutch and he was also on vacation with his friends and their family who had a house in aruba it's basically known that he did it like he killed her he raped and killed her but he was i don't think he was ever charged for it he was charged for murdering another woman in peru so he was a serial killer that's basically it wow yeah what what, what year was this 2005 how old was she again 18 Oh my gosh, that's pretty fucking disgusting. Yeah, her graduation trip. Wow. He was pretty young when he did it too. I think he must have been around the same age. And I think that was not his only time doing something like that. Obviously, since he murdered someone in Peru. Yeah. Wow, okay. People are fucked up. Very. In so many different ways. One more question? Okay, fine. Last question. <laughs> okay, fine. Because we can't like, leave it on such a depressing note. Come on. Okay, fine. Okay, that's, that's such an easy question then. Like, tell us like a funny s story from high school. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, yeah. Think about high school. I hate thinking about high school. There are some funny moments. Oh, I couldn't even tell a funny moment about you. You tell a funny moment about me. Oh, then. gosh. That's so funny. I can't okay. Think of anything. Okay, okay. So, Esba had just broken up with her boyfriend. <laughs> you I already know, know exactly. it's not going anywhere i know exactly what you're gonna say sorry no, you actually really don't actually that's the funny part of this you don't know what i'm gonna say okay ha. fine go um go. okay she just broken up with her boyfriend and she would just like cry day and night right <laughs> and, <laughs> i just remember it was a few of us i don't remember me and who else but maybe it was just me and you i don't remember and you were crying and you were like, we were together 24-7. What does he even do when I'm not there? And I was like, well, he just does whatever you, you guys were doing together, but by himself. And then you're like, he makes out with himself. I actually knew you were going to tell that story. <laughs> oh, really? That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe he did do that. 
I think about that and I'm like, why did I care so much? It's so insignificant. No, come on. When you're in high school, like that's kind of like the first time you, uh, that's a, it's not high school. It's that those ages, those ages of life are where you're like transitioning from childhood to adulthood and you're feeling very adult like type of emotions for the first time. And so it's a very intense and hormonal experience because your hormones are all over the place. It's just kind of like being crazy for a few years. Really, high school is like it honestly feels like that. Yeah, it's an emotional roller coaster. And it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be a transitionary period. Like everything that happens hormonally in puberty, it's like reflected in like the chaos of your emotions, I think. You know what I mean? Like my emotions were chaotic. And I think people around me as well. But now at this age, it's much more stable stable not you <laughs> you were very stable <laughs> <laughs> that was it that was a funny one i knew i knew you were can't believe you story. knew that like th- have we talked about this before you bring that story up a lot actually i don't know you so just funny. found it so funny that i said that you know something <laughs> i had no idea that i've ever brought it up to you before this is how fucked my memory is so there's I drugs it's on, it's not specifically the weed like i don't think it's the other drugs it's the weed that fucks up your memory really badly that's why people smoke weed i mean i don't know about i shouldn't say see this is more of like the saying you instead of me that's why yeah. i think that part of the reason i smoke weed is to forget shit because like a lot of bad shits happen where it's like you get like these intrusive thoughts and feelings it's like i think it's a trauma symptom it's like to have intrusive thoughts and feelings and smoking a lot of weed helps you forget all your shit and just kind of but if you're forgetting it you're not dealing with it right but okay but look things aren't so clean clean cut in life like sometimes like you're just not able to deal with it like or you're you're trying and you're failing or you're you're just not able not willing to try like it's kind of like you know like yes there's this perfect solution you you don't feel yeah. like you're able to do that perfect solution you take this band-aid for now instead it's just like a part of people's journeys in life do you know what i mean like yeah, yeah, like I think that, of course, ideally, yes, you should deal with it. And that will come for the, for the most part. I think it'll happen in its own time. But, yeah. you know, I think that people's life journeys are up and down. That's just my idea. To deal with some things. I agree. Yeah. And you have to have the right situation. Maybe like the person doesn't feel like it's the right situation to. to the right headspace. Yeah. The right. Um, a lot of different things. Yeah. I mean, but also like who really knows what's ha- happening in people's lives? Like I don't really know everything that's happening in your life. Like shit might be happening that who the fuck knows like how fucked up it is or something, right? Like there's a lot of factors. It's true. You know what I mean? But what one thing my professor once said mm-hmm. was that, you know, if you add up if you are living someone's life and you add everything up together, what you'll get is the is their behavior right now. It's only because from where we're yeah. looking, we can't see every perspective. So when we do our math, it doesn't add up to what their behavior is. But when they do their math, it adds up kind of thing. I have another question for you. I know it's not technically your turn, but uh, just so the listeners know, is there like a type of therapy that you focus on or not really? Not yet. Hmm. Yeah, you know, I've actually not ever like fully worked as a therapist yet. Like I'm, I'm about to kind of start my new job. Like in my new job, I'll be a clinician. And mm-hmm. um, I'll actually get to do therapy strategies and everything. But the thing is that when you work for different places, you kind of have to follow what they want. Like this, this is a hospital. So they're going to be like CBT and solution focused and brief interventions. And, you know, like, but if you go work for an agency, they might be like, oh, we want you to do existential worker and like, you know, all this. Kind I of stuff. absolutely hate CBT. I think. Do you? Yes. You and know, it's the most effective very- model for pretty much everything. It's the most I was effective gonna model. I say, oh, 
everyone says like they love it, but I uh, I hate it. I, I don't want to assume. I don't know things. if it's just like types of people that I've dealt with because like for me, like my resources are very limited just because I don't make a lot of money. Um, and yeah, therapy is fucking expensive and who the fuck can afford yeah, that? Exactly. So I don't know if it's just the types of people I've dealt with who are doing or trying to do CBT on me. But um, when I was shopping around from a therapist, I was I talked to a few people and I was just like, nope. They're very like, I just felt very, I didn't feel judged. I felt like they had already pinpointed everything about me. Mm. And I didn't like that feeling at all. Whereas like my therapist now, she she's very more very focused on the present and like how my body reacts to different things in very certain situations. Shot. Yeah, exactly. And I, I like that. Because there's no like predeterminations, I guess. It's just how I'm feeling. I'm not sure if I'm explaining that right, but uh, that's the best way I can articulate no. it right now. It makes perfect sense because they, it's true. Gestalt therapy goes with what you're experiencing in the moment. They're not going to sit there and be like, diagnose you and be like, this is what's wrong with you. This is what you need to do. They're just going to kind of like follow you. And it it's kind of like you, you're both discovering things about the client. Do you know what I mean? Like you as a client yeah. and, and the therapist are both discovering it as it's happening. Um, yeah. I think, but from what I know, I, I mean, I've trained in a different model, maybe what I think, it, but I think I've told you this from the get go that I think that this is an issue in general of being a therapist is that people are very hierarchical. And I think that the very society we live in, when you get a title or you get an education, you want to ascend the hierarchy but the very nature of the art of therapy and therapy is an art to me is that you should be equal and see people as equal and not a- act like the expert like some in most therapy models they always say that well well the, the, the person-centered model says that um the client is the expert on their own experiences like you are not the expert you know what I mean? So yeah. it's a problem in general, I think. With I think it's a problem with society and it leaks into therapists because they're yeah. so interconnected with society. Like they want to also feel like I've had, you know, people say like well, I had a classmate that would say that, you know, if you're coming to me, obviously it's because I have some expert advice to offer you. But I don't approach therapy that way. I don't mm-hmm. think that I have expert advice to offer you. I think that a therapist is a mirror. And sometimes like, the idea is that you can't heal alone. Like if you're just going to sit in a, a walk-in closet like me and like try to talk to myself and heal my problems, it's actually, it doesn't work. Like you kind of need another human being, like a mirror, another nervous system to sync up to and to like work, explore th- through things in a, you know, in a back and forth type of way. It, it opens up a lot more pathways. Like there's something magical about it, even like biologically happening, I think yeah. at least. And that's some of the stuff that I've read. And like, that's the purpose of therapy, not for one person to diagnose you. It just goes right back to shame and like labeling. And I just think those things are super toxic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I agree with that. So uh, would you be open to listeners asking questions? I mean, what else we got to do? Have some wine and listen to some questions and talk some shit. It's chai, girl. Oh, yes, chai. My bad. My bad, girl. You can tell it's nighttime. Hey, listen, it is seven o'clock on a Saturday. Okay. If I want to pour some vodka in my chai, I don't think that's 10 p.m. here. Exactly. Yeah, that doesn't sound very good. (laughs) I'd just rather have a cup of tea. Yeah. You know that quote where everyone's like, oh, I'm not everyone's cup of tea, but I'd rather be a shot of tequila anyway. Corny. I'd rather be a cup of tea. (laughs) It's warm. It's nice cozy 
cozy. Snuggle up. Read when a good think, book. Light some candles. Exactly. When I think of like a like having a, like an episode being sad or like a breakdown or whatever, I think of like a cup of tea and a bubble bath and a fuzzy blanket. What about some fairy lights with it? And fairy lights, of course. Yeah, I have really cute fairy you, lights. Can I tell you a confession about fairy lights? Please. Um, I don't get them. <laughs> what? No. So my man's is like, he has them all over his apartment. I'm not kidding. Like in every room he has, he has fairy lights. That's adorable. I love that. It actually looks really lovely. I will say like, even right now looking at you, it looks lovely, but he sent me some as a gift, right? Like he mailed them. He's like, and I left them in the box for like a week because the whole time I was thinking like, these are going to be such a bitch to like take out and put up somewhere and then I'm just going to get tangled in them and everything's going to look messy. Like I just, the idea of it made me so like, uh, not cringe. What's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. Turned off? Word is. Yes, I guess. Yeah. To put it s- simply, I guess, like I was just so turned off by the idea. Anyway, eventually like it just kept pushing me and pushing me. I'm like, okay, I'll do it right now. And so I'm trying to put them in my walk-in closet much like you're sitting now and they just go everywhere and I get tangled in them and they start nodding and I'm like, you know what? Forget it. I don't, I don't want to put them up. (laughs) So so I mailed them to him. I just sent them back. That's wild. I just sent it back to the store. I'm like, well, he'll put them up. He'll know what to do with them. Like I will just, I just, I just don't know how to deal with them. Is what I'm trying to say. I don't. That's so cute that he sent you fairy lights. Like that's freaking adorable. Yeah, he's a sweetie pie. I need you freaking send him back. Bad. I'm the worst person ever. <laughs> he bought me the engagement ring, and I didn't like it, so he returned it. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you get one you like now? I don't have one. As you can see, I don't have one at all now. <laughs> Hey, at least you speak your mind. <laughs> well, I just mean like, I'd rather have none than, and I really do mean that. Like, it's not a big deal for me. I do want a wedding band, but like an engagement ring is not a big deal for me. I just didn't want to feel like the idea of having to wear something that I was turned off by for my whole life. I didn't like it. So it just seemed like such a waste of money. And I'd just rather not have it. A nice, simple wedding band, you know? Well, totally. We'll be all right. Um, Understandable. You're not a bad human being. I don't know. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Everyone else seemed to think so. They're like, I don't get it. Like, you're lucky to even get a ring. And I'm like, that's just not how I see it. The ring is not an important factor to me. (laughs) Right. No, I understand what you mean. Like, what's the point of wearing it if you don't like it, right? Yeah. Like There's no point. Exactly. And then I just have to pretend to like it my whole life. You know what I mean? Yeah. I would do the same thing. I'd be like, nah. I'd just rather, I'd just rather it's just not that big of a deal. Even my friend, I was talking to my friend and I was telling her how I'm getting married this year. And I haven't told a lot of people. I was telling her and she's like, but he's going to propose, right? And I'm like, for what? Like, we already know we're getting married. Well, yeah. No, I, I you know, I agree with you. I do think that there's like this, maybe this fairy tale princess culture, like expectation because we grew up on Disney or something, maybe. 
Well, we can save it for another episode, but I don't, mm. I don't get all that. Like, these I agree. Important things. I agree. It's just the fluff is what it is. I think that some people kind of do get married just for like a good wedding, good Instagram photos. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I know a lot of people who did that. That's crazy. I would never yeah. get married ever. I will never, ever in my life get married. You never want to get married? No, I'm like... I've had like nightmares where like I've had I'm being like dragged to an altar and I'm trying to escape. I've had that same nightmare. My mom was trying to force me to get married. To who? Some man. Damn. Yeah, I still talk about that dream to this day. So like when she met my man's, um, she was like, "See, I'm not forcing you." <laughs> <laughs> But you don't ever want to do it? Would you change your mind if you met the right person? Never in my life will I get married. Like, I don't mind doing, if the person is so insistent on a ceremony, I'm fine with whatever. I will not sign any legally binding contract. I'm sorry. I'm not signing a contract. That's all I can Why? Say. Um, because that sounds like I'm being sold like a cow. Okay. And, and I don't mean that to insult anybody. Like, listen, like, I'm the minority here. Everybody loves marriage and weddings, and they think it's a symbol of love and everything like that. I, I get it. You're not the minority. I think you're the majority now. Really? Really? I don't know. I don't know anyone who wants to get married. I have probably, like, four friends who want to get married who wow. aren't. I think it's very common to feel the way you do. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. And um, you want kids, though, right? I, you know, let me like be clear. I, lo- I like everything about marriage. I just don't want to sign a contract. That's all. I don't know why I have to fair. involve. I don't have to involve the government in my like relationship. And That's be like, fair. Hey, me, you, and the government all agree we're dating, right? Like we're all good on this. <laughs> okay, good. Let's do this. Like it just doesn't okay. make any sense to me. That's fair. I am planning to have a religious ceremony, not a like a legal ceremony. If that makes sense. Really? Is that for real? Yeah, you're not going to sign the legal paperwork. Ah, uh, we might eventually. Not on that day. No, we're just doing a religious ceremony. Okay, that's um, binding before God. So that's a yeah. type of paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> so you love everything about marriage. You just don't want the government involved. Exactamundo. Okay, I think we should start wrapping up because probably I think we should too. Someone's going to fall asleep soon. But not me, though. I'll be awake for a bit. Well, it's only like seven there. Yeah, it's true. But yeah, it's like 10 here. So we'll close up. I don't know how to end this. I've never been good at that. Even at my last podcast, we would just say bye. And that would be it. That would be the end of our podcast. <laughs> you know what we could do is just end it like it's a phone call. Because that feels natural. Like, okay. All right. Well, I'll talk to you later. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs>